0: Good morning, everyone. And our first reading from Old Testament um, speaks to us about what God's opinion is and how we treat others. And He's very clear, as Jesus is. He's always concise, very clear about what it is: we are not to oppress, we are not to discriminate against aliens. That's the word that is used in the scriptures, but the um, the outsiders, everyone who is not Jewish, and. Uh, At the end of that reading, it says, For I, the Lord God, am compassionate. And Jesus will tell us, You must be like your heavenly Father and do the same. A second reading, St. Paul is speaking to one of the communities he's created, and he said, You guys have been doing such a great job, so much so that the neighborhoods around you have heard about you. So we fast forward to 2020. There would be like people in Port Orchard and Tacoma going, We've heard about those Catholics in Gig Harbor. Ooh, they're a praying bunch. They are so holy. Yay for us, right? We've been working on that for a while now. Perhaps they do say that. I don't know. (laughs) I'll have to call Father Fung and say, Father Fung, have you heard anything about us in Gig Harbor? Oh, yes, Father. Uh, But I'd rather not speak about it right now. (laughs) My friends, the... Remember last week, the Pharisees and Scribes and Herodians, three groups that can't stand each other, come together on a topic. Let's get Jesus. And the gospel reading today does the same thing. We see the two groups again, the Pharisees and the Scribes. At our masses, we read from what we call the lectionary. The book of gospels is a lectionary. Sometimes the lectionary omits pieces of um, um, scriptures uh, in their order. And I want to bring it up because last week it was about taxes. Uh, This time there's a question about the law. But in between that, uh, the Sadducees, who do not believe in an afterlife and uh, and all that, they pose a ridiculous question to Jesus once again. They said, so what is this resurrection business? And they pose a question. Do you remember the question that they asked Jesus? A woman gets married and has no children. And her husband dies. And the law back then, which is kind of a creepy law, I have to admit, um, says that the brother of the first husband marries the wife. So they go through six others. And that one died, and that one died, and that one died, and that one died. In the resurrection, whose husband will she have? You know. And Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't understand. It is not like that. And he silenced them. And this is where we come in in today's gospel. The Pharisees hear that he silenced the Sadducees, so now they go after Jesus. And they try to entrap him again. But, my friends, the the question posed, although asked to start an argument with Jesus and to trip him up, was a real hotbed issue of Jesus' time. There was a debate about, remember, there's 613 precepts or laws that Moses gave. So the two groups, the Pharisees and the scribes, fought about it. One group thought uh, there was a hierarchy, and uh, the other group says, no, they're all equal, and if you can't do them all, you're never going to lo- uh, have God's love, and there'll be no salvation for you. Jesus answers their question by quoting a section of the Old Testament from the book of Deuteronomy, which was very, very familiar to all the Jewish people. It is known as the Shema Israel. They learn it from the little, and they, for the rest of their lives, pray it. And uh, that is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is God, the Lord alone. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The faithful Jewish person recites these words in the morning and at nightfall, every day of his or her life. In fact, it's written on a scroll and put into a piece of metal, and it's called a mezuzah. And the mezuzah is put on the doorpost of the homes of the Jewish people, and they tap it. And they recite this deuteronomy phrase um we well not during covid but we have holy water usually available um and we you dip your finger and you make sign of the cross this is about as close as we come to the shema that they had in his answer given the sadducees realized uh, that a chance to debate and entrap jesus has evaporated and they are likely starting to leave and then Jesus says, "I, I, 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 I have more to say. And in my head, I can just picture, it. you know, the Sadducees. When Jesus states this, they're like, "Dow," And they turn around and walk away, and he just says, wait a minute. And you can just see it. They're like, now what? Now what is he going to say? How else is he going to embarrass us? And Jesus says, and the second is like it. Jesus quotes the Old Testament of the book of Leviticus. Love your neighbor as yourself. My friends, these references that Jesus makes would not have surprised any of the Jewish people. They were very, very well known, even to the common folk who could not read. They understood these two books from the Torah. What is surprising is that Jesus links them together for the first time. No one else has done this he almost puts them at par, almost, but not quite. He says the first one is love of God. Then you shall be like your heavenly Father and you shall love your neighbor. Here Jesus is describing, if you will, and I'm taking this with much grace, the two lungs of a healthy discipleship life, the Christian life. My friends, you know very well, you've probably met people uh, who try and get by with only one of what Jesus said. They love God, but they can't stand their neighbor. And they do nothing uh, that Jesus says about loving them. They want a religion or faith independent of people and the world. But Jesus called us to be a community of faith, of believers, to be a church, to extend his love and his compassion and to be instruments of his peace in the world. And we know people who are the opposite. They do a great job of loving their neighbor, if you will. But they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. They spot off things like, well, I'm a good person. I don't need him. I don't steal. I don't need him. And I certainly don't kill anyone. I don't need him. And I listen to him like, that's the Ten Commandments, by the way, which is in the Scriptures. Mr. Atheist. (laughs) As a disciple of Jesus Christ, as Christians, we are called to a living relationship with our Lord. We are called to a supernatural level of living, if you will, with the Trinity, the Holy Trinity. And according to Jesus, the way he put these two commandments of Moses, these two precepts together, a natural level of living with communities of human persons. And at first, my friends, sometimes we identify our love for God simply on the emotional level. Uh, And we have um, devotions and easy inspirations. And then what happens? Um, They disappear, and they are harder to come by, and we go through what uh, many Scripture scholars have called the dark night of the soul. Later, once we pass through that dark night, we understand it as an experience of grace that was filling us and enables us to have love for God which is more mature. If we stay faithful through that dark night, our love of God becomes less dependent on emotions. Then will the fruit be born of enduring peace and great trust in God and all things. If this is true for God, could it possibly be true then? The same thing happens for love of neighbor. At first, our notion of Love of others is steeped in sentimentality and emotionalism. Then we encounter ingratitude from people and indifference from people and perhaps even hostility and deception. We experience a dark night of Christian charity. Again, if we remain faithful to what Jesus has told us, our love of neighbor matures. We discover that Christian charity may require great candor and great honesty, along with simple exercising of one's will. My friends, Jesus was always clear and concise about what he said and how he said it and the words he used. So I'm going to be very careful about what I'm about to say. Jesus said you must love your neighbor. In his time, they understood that as anyone else who was Jewish. No problem, right? But then Jesus will go on and then he'll expand what neighbor means by giving us the parable of the good Samaritan. Remember the Jews and Samaritans hated each other and Jesus said, no, you will love those who hate you. The word that is being used in this sense, not the one with God, that, that is very clear. With your whole being shall you love the Lord your God. But in the book of Leviticus, it is more of a word known as hesed. Hesed is a covenantal type of love. It's the kind of love that whether you're having a bad day or a good day, you love. Whether you like the person or not, you love. So that brings me to, does Father Mark like everybody? No, I can't. But I can love, as Jesus said. When you love in the way that Jesus describes, you wish no harm on anyone. You wish God's blessings upon them, even if they punched you in the face. Oh, ow, may God bless you. (laughs) Liking is different. Liking means you're going over to the greenhouse and having a dinner with them. I can't do that with everybody. I just can't. They're different from each other, and it's just not semantics. Christ was very, very clear He knew that you and I were not going to like everybody and everything that they say and do, but in all things we can, as the Father does, love. My friends, love of God and love of neighbor are the two lungs of our Christian life, according to Jesus. Both of them are needed. St. James will speak about this, but my friends, we have uh, this odd saint, St. Francis of Assisi. And if you've ever been there, I got to travel there. Thanks to all of you on my anniversary. There were people from every part of the world, Christian, non-Christian, even atheist. They loved St. Francis of Assisi. They loved everything he said, everything he did. He loved the animals. He loved the trees. (laughs) He loved everybody. What confounds me is that Okay, you love Francis of Assisi. Did you know that he loved a God that you don't believe in? The motivating factor of everything that Francis did was this God? How is it that you love this man but not the God who he lived his life for? I still scratch my head. I don't understand it. Our love of God certainly is evident, my friends, in our relationship of worship and prayer in our Roman Catholic Church. In the Catholic tradition, we have very tangible criteria of how we show love for God in our formal prayers, in our personal prayer, in our formal worship, and how you worship at home. Fidelity to scripture reading, Sunday obligations, and daily prayer are measuring sticks of our love of God. These specific tangibles of the church are a reliable measure of our love of God, and they prevent us from deceiving ourselves when someone might claim to love God, yet never pray, ever. Perhaps if one finds that their spiritual life is weak or lackluster, maybe one of the lungs isn't working so well. And if it's not working so well, which one is it? Oh, the one of love of neighbor. So go out and do that. If our prayer life seems dreary, May we need to extend ourselves more generously to others, volunteering, exercising the faith. If our working with others, ministry, volunteering is draining us and we're becoming really cranky about it, perhaps we need to strengthen our prayer life then. See how it works? Through both of them, our discipleship of Jesus becomes whole and healthy and matures. Through both of them, love of God and love of neighbor, we receive grace and mission. Love of God gives us grace, and love of neighbor gives us the mission that Jesus spoke about. Jesus said, you must love your neighbor, and he would go on to say, now I will tell you who your neighbor is. Remember the Samaritan that you hate? That is your neighbor, and you must love him. You may not go and have dinner with him, but you will love him. You will do no harm to him. You will not speak evil and wicked things upon him. You will not ask God to destroy him. Republicans, you must love Democrats. Democrats, you must love Republicans. I have no problem saying that with him standing right behind me. (laughs) You know it's true. Go back to the scriptures. You can't wiggle out of this. Do you have to like what each party says? Nope. But you do not wish evil upon them. And we pray for them. Everyone. My friends, next weekend, we have the opportunity to celebrate uh, all weekend, because it falls on a Sunday, the Solemnity of of All Saints. The liturgical color is white. I'm going to encourage all those who have been in their sweatpants for the past eight months, (laughs) Maybe to put on white or gold or silver. Dress it up. Ladies, put on your big bonnets like Easter. Get dressed up. Come and celebrate the solemnity. We will be using incense next weekend. Monday, next week Monday, we will celebrate the commemoration of all the faithful departed, of all those in faith who have died and traveled uh, uh, to the next life. It is a great celebration. The liturgical color for that is purple. We will have the memorial candles lit. Uh, the in-memoriam candles are available still. Uh, we have some volunteers out in the way, out in the cold, uh, if you haven't picked up your candle. You can take those candles home if you prefer to keep them in your house by writing the name of your loved ones who have passed and lighting. It'll burn for six days. It's safe. You can leave it burning. But here we will put them around the baptismal font. Following our Mass... Next week, Monday, on All Souls Day, we will have a choral meditation on the occasion of All Souls Day. So we will have a beautiful uh, hymn sung and music provided by uh, Debbie, uh, Deborah and Beth, and Dr. Charles will be here uh, to assist them. Uh, if you come to Mass, you are welcome to stay for uh, the choral meditation. God, no, I can't say that. <laughs> I'll get in trouble. Officer Mike, you don't care, do you? Okay, plug your ears. Concert. But it's it's going to be prayer in song. Okay. Once again, the memoriam candles are, uh, the volunteers are outside, uh, just off to your right as you leave. My um, friends, let us pray for peace in our nation, for understanding, uh, for compassion towards each other, and for tolerance uh, and an understanding of each other's opinions. Um, and we ask God to bless our country, it belongs to him. Um, So uh, let's deliver back to him a country that is holy and sacred. Uh